standards. To many, standards are the stone tablets handed down from the mountain by the technology deities telling us what's what and how we're going to do it. Only, that's not really how that works, at least not in the IETF. The IETF is a collaboration of people from all over the industry who work on drafts that might eventually become standards. Anyone can take part in this process. Most don't, however, especially folks from the enterprise. Why is that? And what's being done to encourage more folks like you to get involved? Today on Packet Pushers, the Enterprise Data Center Operators Group. Joining us to talk about EDCO is Nalini Elkins. Nalini, welcome to Packet Pushers, and please introduce yourself to the audience. Thanks so much, Ethan. Uh, I'm Nalini Elkins. I'm a CEO and founder of um, uh, a high-tech startup, Inside Products. And uh, I, I have over 30 years in the industry being uh, in network management, software development, and so on. And I am very involved in the IETF. My latest standard is on performance metrics for um, uh, broadband networks. And we want to use that for monitoring net neutrality. Okay. So now... Standards and drafts and so on, there's lots and lots of them within the IETF. There's over 100 working groups in the IETF. And someone who's just getting used to that ecosystem and that world might be a little overwhelmed at first. And I think maybe that's some of what puts some folks in the enterprise off. They don't even know how to how to get started. So, uh, so let's start with, uh, with what is EDCO? Well, what EDCO is, is it's a volunteer organization comprised of uh, people who work for organizations that have very large data centers. Um, uh, very large data centers have unique needs. They're very sophisticated users of uh, the protocols and the standards. And most of the people that I work with, or maybe probably even all, uh, uh, have operational and implementational experience. And that is something that is very, very much needed uh, at the IETF. They don't necessarily have architectural architectural or a programming background. Uh, and so I think uh, many of them feel that um, since the IETF is concerned with protocol specifications, uh, they don't necessarily need to be at the IETF. In other words, there's a uh, maybe a sort of a split between the people that develop these specifications and the people that use these specifications. And we're trying to get some emphasis and some feedback from the folks that end up actually using the protocols, the products that come out of the IETF. That's exactly right. You know, we, we call it being changing from being a consumer of specification to being a producer of specifications. And, and I'm going to say that this is something we're very much working on uh, in India as well. Uh, I'm working with quite a few of the engineers in India to change the mindset from being consumers to producers. Uh, as you said in the beginning, a a lot of people feel like uh, these are uh, the, the tablets from on high, and how could I possibly be involved in making these up? My job is only to use them, and that's that's definitely false. Um, you know, it's a uh, people who have real implementational and operational experience need very much to be involved in giving the feedback that's uh, so necessary for creating uh, great standards. Mm. 
Okay, so EDCO was formed, and I was doing a little background reading on the, again, the Enterprise Data Center Operators Group. And it, it from what I can tell, it's not actually a part of the IETF, but there is a close association. Can you explain how that works? Yes, it's definitely not an official part of the IETF. Uh, it is a completely voluntary organization, and it started by uh, myself and quite a few people who are from very large organizations, uh, the financials, uh, some government agencies, uh, 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 payment processors, uh, and so on, retail, insurance. And uh, as I say, the, the emphasis for EDCO is people who have very large data centers and by and large uh, have not been coming to the IETF. In fact, I'm going to say uh, I can probably count on the fingers of, of one hand uh, the number of people that I know that consistently come to the IETF from large organizations. And, and because we have interests uh, and uh, a, a group of people who are very different in many ways from the existing kind of people who come to the IETF. Uh, we formed a, a group so that we could collaborate uh, with each other. Okay. So now I was at IETF 98 in Chicago. I sat in several working group meetings over the, the course of the week um, as, as everything was being, as, as all of the meetings were going on. I noticed um, vendors, a lot of uh, equipment manufacturers, if you will, people that need to write up um, or code the standards as they come through and, and are therefore offering their input along the way. I noticed service providers also keenly involved in some very large operators like Google um, getting their turn at the microphone and sharing their thoughts as on the various drafts that go through. Um, and again, as you mentioned, not that many enterprise folks at all were, were tied up there. So, you know, if the, if the goal is to get these folks, these other large sorts of enterprises to participate in the IETF, but EDCO is not actually the IETF process, how, uh, how does the information exchange work? How is it that what's happening within EDCO is impacting the IETF and, and vice versa? That's, that's a very good question. Uh, what we do is we uh, collaborate amongst ourselves, and we're in the process of writing some drafts that we will be posting uh, to uh, various IETF working groups. And in fact, quite a few of the area directors uh, and uh, working group chairs at the IETF have approached us and asked us to comment on drafts that they have going underway. You know, I think people have a real misunderstanding about how the IETF works. There's really no, quote unquote, membership in the IETF. Anyone can join and everyone should join. Uh, and, and it's not really even joining. <laughs> it's really uh, anyone can participate. Uh, what you do is you sign up for the email list, which is a public list to have the public conversation. You read the drafts, which are, again, public documents. And, and of course, as this affects everybody who uses the internet and internet protocols, 
all conversation has to be public. You can certainly understand that. You know, I've gone back and and looked at how certain decisions were made. Uh, for example, one might be interested in how the decision was made to have IPv6. What was the thought process? And and history and people in the future need to be able to understand how things were done. So that is an intentional thing to not have membership. So so everyone uh, should participate, everyone can participate, and how you participate is by authoring a draft uh, uh, and posting it so that everyone can comment on the email list, and then, of course, going in person. Many people can't afford, of course, to go in person, and so they participate uh, remotely. Um, and so, so that's... Um, I suppose that's kind of a long-winded way of saying that that that's that's our linkage. We collaborate on creating drafts, which then feed back into the IETF process. I got it. So Edco then is a, is a group of people who can get their thoughts together around how a draft might be it might impact them or create a draft themselves that accomplishes. Something uh, that Edco as a common group uh, of folks operating very large data centers might be interested in. Correct. That's exactly right. Okay. Okay. Now, so so what is the uh, you know the meeting process? Or if I want to join you know Edco and get you know add my thoughts to the the collective, if you will, is there a, a process for that? Yes, we have a website, enterprisedatacenteroperators.com. And uh, you can just ask. There's a there's a contact uh, uh, web you know, contact selection on there, contact tab, and just send um, uh, send the email, send your email address, and um, uh, we'll we'll have you as a part of our deliberations. Uh, it's very easy. Um, the other thing that we do um, that we did in Chicago is to have. Um, uh, a boot camp on Saturday, um, and where we all get together. We also got together. Uh, I believe just about every day we checked in with each other uh, during the IETF meeting. But certainly, if you uh, if you attend remotely, uh, you don't need to do that. Um, we will also be providing a review document of what happened at the IETF. Uh, I'm, I'm in the process of putting that together right now. We'll discuss, discuss among the group. Yeah, so, so it's very easy to join. Just send us an email and um, uh, you're a part of the group. As we grow, we'll probably start a trade association. So, because as far right now, it's, it's a relatively small organization, uh, probably under 20 companies. Um, as, as this grows, uh, once it gets to over 40 companies, we'll need to formalize it uh, because it's just uh, far too much work to manage and maintain that. And so there, there probably will be charges uh, to join, charges for the documents we put out. Uh, I foresee that maybe uh, in the next uh, year or two as as we gain traction and momentum. Okay, so I want there's some several things that we've said here that uh, that I think need some qualification exploration to help folks understand uh, exactly what we're talking about. One is you've said uh, several times now very large uh, enterprise data centers. Can you 
quantify that so folks have a better idea of um, whether or not their data center would be uh, representative of an appropriate size network to be uh, you know, con- considered? That's a super good question. You know, of course, um, every network of any size, even somebody at home on their LAN uses the ITF protocols. But very large networks have their own problems because of the sophistication of the the usage of the protocols. And it's it's hard to say that um, you know that your network has to have over a hundred thousand devices uh, or so forth. How I've done it usually is, by and large, if you're in the uh, the league of the Fortune one thousand in the United States, or uh, as far as the government, you know, the very large uh, cabinet level uh, agencies um, or any federal agency really and quite often a a number of the state agencies uh, as well you're probably in that league Um, you know having said that I mean I can I can think of some of our very large cities uh, Los Angeles New York Chicago who San Francisco who themselves have very very large networks Um, so it's a little hard to quantify in that range to say uh, do you fit or do you not fit the very large complex data center world but by and large if you use that sort of as a guideline um, the other thing too is I've talked to some people who have a relatively flat network. They have maybe one level of server and then they uh, they go out. That's a level that doesn't require as much sophistication as uh, if uh, versus if you have something where you have multiple regions, uh, you know, uh, multiple offices. For example, like some a lot of the banks, they have branches all over the country. That kind of wide area network requires quite a bit more sophistication uh, in terms of what you do and uh, the kind of protocols that you run. Uh, so, so I suppose if that's a, a, a benchmark that one might use, uh, I don't know if that's helpful. To you. Well, it is. I mean, it sounds like what you're talking about is is really a combination of things. One is, sure, sheer size and spread, um, but then another might not be the number of endpoints that would define a, a very large network in someone's mind where there's tens or hundreds of thousands of nodes that hang off the network, but perhaps the level of sophistication required uh, within the networking protocols to deliver the services that they deliver across that network might be uh, you know, a defining factor, you know, so for example, you mentioned earlier a payment processing network, which is listeners to this show know I uh, used to be an architect on a payment processing network once upon a time. It wasn't a figure, uh, a particularly large network, the network that I worked on, but it did process, you know, at the time, billions of dollars a day and was fairly sophisticated in what we needed to do to keep that running. Uh, it was an, in, it was a complex interchange talking with many thousands of endpoints, even though the core of it wasn't especially large. We might have been interested in participating in something like this uh, because of the sophistication level, even though it wasn't you know, huge, if you will. 
Definitely. In fact, one of the large payment processors is a core member of um, uh, of EDCO. Uh, the The other thing that causes uh, complexity is if you're uh, crit- considered a part of the critical infrastructure. A number of the banks, uh, and of course, uh, uh, networks that are run by um, uh, the, the large federal agencies are considered critical infrastructure. Uh, I, uh, I'm sure that the utility companies are considered that way. Uh, and so that would that would that requires a level of sophistication uh, that 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 you that doesn't really equate to number of nodes. Um, and the other thing is, if you're if you're a regulated industry, if you're, uh, for example, PCI or HIPAA, or if you have to abide by some of those regulations, that requires a level of sophistication uh, that um, uh, that creates complexity. Another thing I wanted to follow up on, Delaney, you mentioned remote participation. In other words, when an IETF meeting is going on, uh, there are, for the most part, people physically there in uh, the various hotel ballrooms uh, having their working group discussions. And again, they're physically there um, talking to the working group chairs as the meeting agenda goes on. They walk up to the mics and say things. But folks that might be halfway around the world uh, couldn't get on a plane to make the meeting can also participate and which which I saw when I was there can you explain how that process works because uh, I, I think that would really help people understand um, what goes on uh, for those folks that are far away and can't make the meeting uh, absolutely well there's a couple of ways uh, first uh, the, the you can participate remotely uh, there's um as an individual, you just register and it's free. It's free to participate. Uh, there's a, a Meet Echo services that are provided and you can participate as you saw in any IETF working group and this is live participation so so you can participate at the very uh, time that the meeting is going on one effort uh, that um, I am um, uh, helping others to work on is the remote hub concept Um, uh, for example Latin America and India have had remote hubs hubs where a group of people comes together to watch an IETF meeting uh, together. And and that's a very, very powerful thing. And um, uh, at the IETF, we're working on um, uh, deciding some more of the parameters and formalizing that because a lot of the benefits of attending is the interaction that you have. We we joke around and we call it the hallway track. Mm-hmm. The conversations <laughs> that you have. I'm sure you noticed that too. Oh, it, you, it happened it, to me as I was there. People saw me in Chicago walking down the hallway and pulled me aside and we started chatting about things that were going on in various working groups. I know exactly what you mean, yes. No, it's 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 crazy. And um, you know, I really feel like I if I miss a meeting, if I miss an IETF meeting, um I, I I've it's really one week of an IETF meeting is probably two years, or not no excuse, sorry, not two years, two months uh that I would have to spend researching to figure out the amount of time, uh the amount of, of learning that I get in a, in one week. Because you know, I end up talking 
talking to people from Africa, from China, from India, uh, people all over, you know, all the, the different vendors. And, and as, you, as you become a part of the IETF, you end up having relationships. Um, you know, I, I had breakfast uh, the other day uh, with uh, somebody that I've gotten to know quite well. And, and um, uh, you know, we started talking about, well, hey, what are you working on and, and what am I working on? And it turned out he was working on uh, identity protection uh, or uh, clarification a definition for the the uh, uh, for voice over IP, the telephone world. And I was working on identity uh, protection definition uh, for email. And so we we were like, oh my God, we're working on very similar things. We should collaborate and write uh, write a draft together. And so that kind of thing, uh, it's it really um, is is one of the reasons to attend um, in person if you can. But but we were talking about remote. We really want to make the the remote exp- enrich the remote experience. Um, and and so that's because we really really understand that um, you know not everybody can afford to to attend. Um, so, so that's, it, it's something we really want to support and, and we want to have as many people in particular from the developing world attend as we can, but you know, I'm going to say EDCO, you know, you'd be surprised to, to hear that, um, large enterprises are in some ways a unrepresented, uh, minority group, if you will. And so it would be wonderful to have remote hubs where enterprises got together to watch uh, and comment on working group sessions. I really hope that happens. Well, on that remote hub idea, um, you mentioned India, and I forget where the other one was that you mentioned, but but there's also regional ones forming in North America. Uh, at least one. I'm aware of the one in Boston that's going on. Um, I, I keep up with that mailing list as that's is physically relatively close to me. Um, so so don't think you have to be in the developing world uh, or far away from North America for there to be a remote hub near you. They seem to be um, going to be popping up in other places as well uh, on this continent. I, that's wonderful. Yes. What, what we're trying to do is have a differentiation. Yes, I know the Boston hub. Um, what we're trying to do is to have a differentiation uh, between remote hubs that are at the point of the IETF meeting uh, and, and persisting. Uh, hubs. We we I, I think we may end up with calling them community hubs. Uh, you know, one of the things about uh, an engineering group like the IETF, you cannot believe how much a discussion we have around. Um, what is the name of such a group, and is it persistent? Is it ad hoc? As <laughs> I say, we love that kind of thing. <laughs> Okay, so uh, another thing you mentioned, the, uh, you were getting, kind of getting into the roadmap for EDCO and this group specifically and said, well, as it grows, as more companies participate, we may form a trade association. There'll be some costs associated with that. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Where, What are the costs that would be generated by such a thing that would demand you know, some sort of – it sounds like you're talking about a membership fee perhaps to uh, to be able to join up? 
Well, maybe a membership fee or, or really a, a, a fee to, to see the, uh, the output. Okay, so let me, for example, let me kind of go through uh, what happened at, at, in Chicago. What happened is that, as I say, this is, this is kind of our first shot out the door. And so what I did was to help our people um, uh, figure out what sessions they should go to and what everything was working on. As you said, there's over a hundred working groups uh, at the IETF, and to know any one of them requires quite a bit of expertise. <laughs> and and so I said, okay, to help our people figure out where they're going, I reviewed about, um, I would say, uh, eight to 10 working groups. That's about what I feel comfortable uh, reviewing. Um, you know, it's there. I, I don't know if there's there's anyone who feels that like they could be an expert in all 120. I think you're doing pretty good to be an expert in one. Uh, but and I'm as I say, I mean, I, I'll claim two. <laughs> I feel pretty good about that, and I'm cognizant enough of. Uh, a, a number of the others which are related to feel that I can do an evaluation of what they're doing, how it impacts the large organization uh, and, and what drafts to look at uh, for, for a number of the others. But what we need is we need probably uh, five to 10 other people who have um, uh, specialties in other areas. For example, I'll say I feel pretty comfortable with uh, what's going on in IP performance metrics because that's generally what I work in and also IPv6 because again, uh, I work in IPv6. Uh, so I feel, I feel pretty good about being able to comment on those and say, this is what we should be listening in. Um, and, and, and again, but there's so much else. I feel relatively comfortable with TLS, but there's there's IoT, there's, there's routing, there's so much else that's going on. So what we need is more people to review the other groups, uh, to put out something after the fact to say, okay, this is what happened in each group. This is how it's going to impact you. Because a, quite a bit of how we even got started with EDCO is because of a conversation that we had about what was going on in the TLS working group and how it would impact large data centers. People really started uh, focusing and, and waking up after they saw what was happening there that they had not known about because they weren't watching. So, so just to expand on that, because you, you this was written up in the IETF journal, I actually read this article. It's an interesting story. Um, changes that were being proposed to TLS, I want to say within 1.3, 1, 1 we're going to have a very specific operator impact to certain people because of the way they use TLS and what their operational processes were. And that's, and some flags got raised as a result. Can you, can you talk through that a bit? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, it, yeah. Um, uh, to, to put it in a, in a different context, there is a particular kind of, of algorithm which was being uh, deprecated. I suppose that's a, it's a, it's an oversimplification of what was going on. But operationally, 
it would have caused, and it, it will, we, we haven't resolved this yet. Uh, we appear to be on a track to resolve it, but operationally, it would be, it would cause a tremendous uh, impact to operations, in particular, if you're doing something like the current ways of doing fraud monitoring, leak detection, malware detection, diagnostics. There's a, there's a, a way that we are, that large organizations are able to do it that would have to completely change or be impossible to do and that's it's a huge impact one of the the chief information security um, officers said um, it's a multi-billion dollar impact to operations Um, and this really woke up a lot of people and and in fact when uh, you know I'm uh, we're still very very much in the process of figuring out what to do about something like that. And so now we're getting right to the heart of what EDCO is, uh, the value that EDCO is bringing and why uh, enterprises would want to participate because they are going to get a distillation of what's happening in the different working groups without them having to individually focus on each and every one. Here, um, the newsworthy, most notable drafts or proposed changes that are going on, contemplate what that would mean for their organization and then be able to react uh, to them and and perhaps um, overcome uh, you know a situation that would be, uh, as you put it, a, potentially a, a billion dollar or multi-billion dollar impact uh, to, to the industry. It, it gets... It's a, it's a really valuable way to get you know, more people around the table putting input into the process as proposed changes work through the IETF. And, and again, you, know, you as an enterprise, you've got a lot of incentive, therefore, to pay attention and participate. And EDCO is a, a good way to do that without having to send people to every working group that there is in the IETF. Definitely. And, you know, I, I've had pushback from people in um, at the IETF who say, you know, this this you guys should have been here two years ago when this was going on. And and I'm going to say definitely we definitely should have been there two years ago. I mean, the only reason I knew about that that proposed change is that I, it was not a group that I had been following. Uh, but then I started following it and then I realized what was going on two years after they had had those discussions. And I said, oh my goodness. And so then we started the discussion. But people at the IETF are completely right. Yes, we should have been there. And that's why we're trying to start uh, people to come to EDCO, to go to as many groups as we can, um, and so that we won't be late to the party again. The problem is, is that a lot of people at um, uh, at enterprises don't even know the party's being held. Uh, and and that they're invited to come, um, you know. So, so that's a very important thing. And you know, I, I'm just going to say, I've had people say to me, "Well, um, you know, this was the only thing. There's not going to be anything else, you know, coming down the road." And oh, it just makes me gasp because I can tell you about things that are going on in um, changes to voice over IP, changes to internationalization, many things that are going to impact you tremendously uh, as things go on. And people should, people really need to pay attention. Um, this is a very, very complex area, and things have the, the internet has grown so quickly, and the impact of uh, the the 
RFCs is so tremendous. It's all happened very quickly. And I think we need to catch up and uh, really get the right people around the table to give a feedback uh, to the IETF. Uh, to, to Again, as I say, the, the, the big thing is, is to, to change from being a consumer of standards to becoming uh, a, a producer of standards or, or a collaborator a collaborator in developing standards. I, I have to underscore your point about the number of changes that are happening. Uh, as I attended working group meetings in Chicago at IETF 98, I, I made it a point to get to as many different working groups as I could just to get a sense of what was going on. I was blown away by the sheer volume of drafts. Some of them were for small changes, minor changes, or you know, protocol spec you know, updates. Uh, some of them were... Uh, you know, more significant, you know, earlier um, ideas that hadn't developed fully yet, but uh, the, but just the the number of significant things going on that has a potential impact to someone's network was just, was almost overwhelming. There's a lot going on. And as you say, uh, you know, I wanted to comment on, you know, enterprises not knowing they were invited to the party. I think that is part of it. Um, I also think there's a a challenge of just some enterprises needing to understand the value of sending people to participate in the IETF and taking part in EDCO, um, whereas vendors and service providers very definitely get it because they have this um, very real uh, you know, impact to their organizations as these standards are approved. Enterprises, again, that because they're in that consumer mindset as opposed to collaborator mindset, think, you know, we'll, we'll take advantage of whatever comes out of that, but why would they participate? And so um, making from a business perspective, they don't feel there's value in sending, uh, you know, one or more people to participate. And I think that needs to change um, because again, there is an impact to folks that uh, is potentially, uh, you know, has a, has a bottom line dollar impact to them if they're not aware and keeping up with what's going on. And so there's, there's a lot of, thought, mindshare, uh, changes that need to happen, and um, maybe just a little little re-education for, for some folks to understand where things are really at. I think that some network operators maybe look at the networks that they have and go, yeah, BGP's BGP and OSPF is OSPF, and I use those things and a bunch of other things, and you know they don't really change that much. And, and so they don't keep up because you know what they're using is good enough, and they just they fail to realize the constant... Um, churn and updating that is happening, you know, all all the time. Yes, no, things are being updated, um, you know, uh, all the time. In, in some ways, for enterprises, you know, it's it's the tragedy of the common good. You know, it's like it's like you have a park. Well, everybody uses the park. Why should I be the one that pays to maintain? Why should I pick up litter uh, in the park? You know, who's is it? Is it my job? Is it my responsibility? Well, the the problem with that mindset is that no one really knows your needs and your requirements uh, like you do. And if you if you trust all the vendors to look out for you, um, well, you're going to get what you pay for. <laughs> and they may have your best interests in mind, or they may have the, their own best interests in mind as far as what products they want to sell you. Uh, and, and no one really knows knows your needs as as much as you do um so so that's one one real uh, uh thing incentive for enterprises the, the other thing too is that for any system for any organism you 
have to have a feedback loop. Um, and one of the feedback loops that I'm going to say that we don't have enough of at the IETF is oper operational and implementation experience from large organizations. How can we improve? How can we improve the standards if we don't have feedback? So it's a really a win-win for both parties uh, if large enterprises start coming. Mm. I want to follow up on your comment about vendors, whether or not they have your best interest in, at, at heart. Um, one, and I, I saw this in Chicago um, at IETF 98. On the one hand, I saw vendors who were speaking at the IETF on behalf of a customer. You know, customer, and they wouldn't name the customer. They just say, you know, our customer has expressed this particular need to us, and then they would offer input into the draft document. You know, in that context. Uh, I also saw you know, vendors who were opposed to a given proposal because, you know what, we'd have to spin a new ASIC if we make this change. And I've already got an ASIC that solves the, you know, that that solves this problem as long as we leave the draft in this other format. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it wasn't not passing judgment one way or the other, but it does tell you that you know, vendors have decisions to make about certain drafts and are going to offer input from their own business perspective at times and maybe not their end customer uh, perspective at times. So it just underscores your point, Nalini. Everybody's got to get in there and and collaborate to come up with the ultimate you know, best solution for for some definition of best anyway. No, definitely. And, you know, sometimes with large enterprises, you know, what I see is that they don't want to participate or speak publicly for or against some proposal. And I see that for some some uh, uh, vendors as well, because speaking for or against such a vendor may impact uh, how your company is seen. For example, if, you know, the people might say, oh, oh company X is speaking out uh, against uh, uh, better security. And oh my God, isn't that awful? Uh, and so that's another reason for EDCO is what we can do is is collaborate. We'll discuss amongst ourselves. We'll say, we'll say mm, um, you know, should we, should we just, uh, provide a, uh, it, it's, it's, I suppose it provides a, a, a speaking of, of forum. We can, we can shield people from deaf, from, from talking about their own, uh, divulging their own company, uh, if you will, so that their company is not uh, uh, in the in the limelight hmm. as opposing uh, or, or or promoting a particular solution. And of course, we have to get together, you know, and we, and we'll we, it has to have a technical merit. You know, we're not just a a, a, a front piece, if you will. Well, that, that's okay. That's really interesting because um, another thing that I learned attending my first IETF there was everything done at the IETF uh, is public. And there's usually a disclaimer before the meeting kicks off saying, hey, if you stand up to the mic and say something, it's on the public record. Expect that everyone's going to know that uh, you said this and it's going to be quoted verbatim. And and if you get up to the mic, you you agree with this. You're implicitly acknowledging that policy. But what you're saying, Nalini, is um, because some enterprises don't aren't willing to be that public, if they're participating in EDCO, EDCO can represent all of the enterprises involved as a group, not singling out any one individual or person or company or, uh, or company 
Edco's got everyone's, uh, you know, collectively uh, represents everyone's opinion, you know, the, and and uh, and therefore you aren't on the record, so to speak. No, definitely, and and you know, and I, again, I'm going to say the the way the IETF does the the note well and the public uh, comments, it that's definitely how it has to be. These deliberations impact all of us. It has to be public. You know, that's there's no there's no other way to do it. It has to be transparent. People need to know what decisions were made, that it was fair, and how these decisions were made. You know, having said that, the reality of the situation is, is that, um, you know, not every company wants to be on the record. And there are some of us who, uh, you know, for example, I, you know, I have my own company and, and, um, and so, and, and others who, who, who can get up and speak and say, we, re- we represent uh, the, this point of view. I, I, you saw that yourself. I'm sure you saw certain vendors get up and say, we represent a particular, a customer viewpoint. Um, and, and, and so that it, it shields people from having to do that um, a, a portion of our edco meetings uh, are even uh, run under Chatham House rules uh, which means that we can talk about uh, what was said but not who said it and that gives uh, another level of protection to people who don't want to be pointed to as as having a certain opinion it, this is the reality of large organizations. Well, let's look ahead to uh, the future a little bit, uh, Nalini, and uh, the Enterprise Data Center Operators Group is going to be meeting again at the IETF 99 in Prague. Is that right? Yes, it is. And um, uh, we expect there will be a slightly smaller crowd uh, because many of the people, many of the core members are from the United States, but we want to uh, work with our European counterparts uh, uh, to... um, uh, to extend um, uh, EDCO to them. Uh, and of course, uh, in the Singapore IETF, we want to have more and more Asian uh, participation uh, in that. You know, it does tend to have, uh, when, when the IETF moves to a particular region, when it meets in a particular region, it, of course, you're going to get more people from that mm. region. Uh, of course, the core participants all come to come all the time, uh, but um, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. Any- mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It was pretty easy for me to get on a plane and get to Chicago. It's a whole different ballgame for me to get to Singapore. So, right, I understand that. It makes sense. Makes sense. Um, okay, so one more time, uh, enterprisedatacenteroperators.com is where you, if you're listening to this, can go if you think your company might be interested in participating with the IETF in this way um, and keeping up with what's going on, uh, observing and hearing about uh, new drafts and so on that might impact your organization, that is where you can go. Uh, again, enterprisedatacenteroperators.com. Um, uh, Nalini, any um, you know, parting thoughts? Uh, and, and also, if you would, let folks know where they can follow you if you're socially active or blog or anything like that we you'd like to uh, point people to. 
Great, thank you. Yes, uh, our website is um, uh, insidethestack.com, um, and I send out an email uh, every week on various things. I do an email blast. Um, I also have uh, free webcasts um, one, every uh, once or twice, every couple of months, something like that, and various people speak. Those are all free, uh, and, and um, it, that's easy to sign up. Just go to insidethestack.com. Uh, and you can find us. Uh, the one last thing, this is another proposal that I hope to be able to talk to you about maybe in six months or so. One of the things that we've seen both at the enterprise level and with developing in the developing world is that people really are not at the level that they should be to participate effectively at the IETF. Uh, by that, I mean um, that they don't have the background in uh, the, the protocols, how TCP, UDP, IPv6, how they really work, um, and what RFCs are involved and, and so forth. And so um, uh, I am working with some other people uh, to put together some training. Uh, we're kind of joking around um, uh, and calling it um, a, a, a prep uh, to be able to participate effectively uh, in the IETF. And it, it's so important important because I, I I think the universities really don't teach that and and many of the current uh, training mechanisms really don't do that and if you really don't understand how these protocols work uh, at a deep level it becomes very hard to follow the conversation at IETF okay well we will look for that uh, information coming hopefully help folks uh, get up to speed because um, as you say it is, increasingly difficult to get uh, get a hold of that sort of information. So I'm Ethan Banks at EC Banks on Twitter, and this has been the Packet Pushers Priority Queue podcast. You can find this and many more fine, free technical podcasts, along with our community blog at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter at Packet Pushers. We are also on LinkedIn. You can follow our company page. You can like us on Facebook. We'd appreciate that. And if you would, take a minute and rate us on iTunes. Last but not least... Remember that too much technology would never be enough.